Hey y'all, this is Amuk, Madam Hexa, and Caitlin Case, and this is Trouble Comes in Three. This podcast discusses scandalous topics like communication and sexual health, along with kink, leather, and ethical non-monogamy. If you're under 18, please leave us and check out scarletteen.com. For those over 18, welcome, and let's get historical. Oh, changing it up today. We are. Tis the season, as it, it were. It is. Tis the season. So we're getting historical tonight. Special episode. It's a special yes. episode. Uh, it's Pride Month, y'all. Ooh. So we wanted to kind of dive in a little bit on some really important moments and movements and groups in the history of Pride and even before. Right. Now, we can't possibly touch on everything. No. And these are kind of like the broad strokes of, you know, key events, like you said, key organizations kind of dotted across the U.S. at the time, because we could probably spend days doing this. Oh, Um, absolutely. Yes. Let's go back in time a little bit, shall we? (laughs) (laughs) I was like Baymax from (laughs) (laughs) from Big Hero 6. Perfect. Uh, Let's go back to the 1950s. All right. Um. Good old 1950s. Right. Ooh. When everything, the good old days. <laughs> the good old days, as some particular people like to call it. Um, let's talk a little bit about an organization called the Mattachine Society that was conceived of actually in 1948 by the founder, Harry Hay. Um, he wanted kind of like a gay activist group, and he was at a party, and he was pitching this idea, and a bunch of gay blokes were like, yeah, that sounds amazing. He's like, awesome, cool. He went home that night wrote kind of like the manifesto called The Call. And then none of those guys wanted anything to do with it the morning after because the booze had worn off. Um, and to be honest, for good reason, because you could get into trouble being gay in America at this time, right? Yeah. You could get arrested. You could get fined. You could be thrown in jail. Beat up. Mm-hmm. Beat up. Beyond that, if you were caught, you oftentimes that information leaked or was just flat out published Uh in local media so you ran a chance of losing your job Mm -hmm. uh losing your family if you were currently passing right in a relationship losing your biological family Mm -hmm. if they found out you were gay and were disowned that was a really serious problem during this time and the madison society to my knowledge was not strictly only for gay men they did allow gay women to be part of the efforts like the activism and things like that but there wasn't um a lot of formal spaces and advocacy groups for queer women yet that mm-hmm. kind of Came spawned from once the Madison Society was kind of like a known organization mm-hmm. it kind of I think gave courage to other groups more niche groups to start coming out on their own yeah. originally they adopted a philosophy of assimilation that we could appeal to the heteronormative world if we appeared just like them if we were civil and we behaved like they do Never mind that your lifestyle was considered radical by the, those terms. The thought was, if we can play nice, they'll give us the rights we deserve, and then we can go back to doing what we normally do. It was very much a, let's not throw it in their face. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's not make it overt. Right. You know, try to try to appear as straight passing as humanly possible. Right. In yeah. your interactions, the way, you know, you don't talk about things. Right. You know, that was difficult for, like we were talking about earlier, Drag queens, mm-hmm. femme presenting, very flamboyant individuals, which existed, but they had to tone themselves down for their own safety. Mm-hmm. And as a survival technique of an organization, it's not a bad idea when there is such a threat. 
However, civility doesn't always breed results, and results were what was needed at the time. I think it was 1953 that they decided we're going to change our angle, and they became a little more less less inclined to assimilate and more kind of like, no, this is how we are, this is how we're going to do things. That's also about the time when they decided that most of the Mattachines were actually of the communist movement, which gave <laughs> cops even more reason to come down on you because not only are you a gay threat, but you're also a red threat. And this was, at, of course, at the height of the, mm-hmm. the red scare in yeah. the U.S. about communism taking over the world. So it was just one more reason for them to hate you. And it was also something that was already being thrown right. at gay individuals. Oh, yeah, they're all communists. They were all communists. Yep. They were, you know, they were mm-hmm. sent here to... Undermine, undermine America American democracy and values and, you know, make us a red state. That was already something that was very often thrown at right. why gays couldn't be congregate. gay. They couldn't mm-hmm. congregate. They couldn't hold jobs in certain areas. Right. Like, yeah. things like that. Gosh, God forbid. <laughs> um, but on the other side of the coin... 1955 in San Francisco, the Daughters of Belitis. So that is one of the first lesbian activist organizations. Um, They were focused on kind of political rights and activism in that nature. They kind of branched off from the Manichene society because they felt that the lesbian community wasn't getting a voice necessarily as Mm -hmm. much. And at the time, so it was kind of starting to ride on that new wave of feminism where lesbians found that they had at the time had more in common with straight women than they did with gay men because you may have been a gay man but you're still a man and so you you still somehow had a little more sway in the world than a lesbian woman or even a straight woman and throughout history lesbians or bisexual women Mm -hmm don't exist. Right. Nope. They are wonderful for the male gaze. Yes. They exist in this erotic fantasy yeah. yes. world. But actual real life women no. who want oh. to fuck women. And only and only women and only women um don't exist. No. Yeah. yeah. So much so that they were even erased from the uh, first United Women or first United Congress of Women. Mm-hmm. Um, anything referencing Lesbianism was completely removed from the program the day of. For the same reasons that uh, the Mattachines were playing nice to begin with. Is because at that time, and that's more related to the feminist movement at the time, is that we have to, as women and feminists, have to appeal to a male-dominated society in order to get what we want. Mm -hmm. And at the time... Lesbians were not that. Lesbians were not that. They're not, they don't, they're not there for men. They're not going to play into the fantasy. Right. And since men couldn't find a way to utilize a lesbian, there was no reason for them to play ball. Um, So that's why a lot of, uh, we'll get in, we'll get into that too, because I know you've got some some good stuff up your sleeve about that. (laughs) Um, Now, nothing was perfect in the beginning. The daughters of Belitis, for example, did have some controversy as the years went on. Part of that has to do with the feminist movement that Caitlin is going to talk about, um, where there was an exclusion of trans women in particular. Um, now, Beth Elliott was a trans woman who actually served as vice president for the San Francisco chapter of Daughters of Belitis for two years. And it took a change in the whole structure of their national board in order to push her out. And she's actually the musician, if, uh, if you remember from your, your, your homework you had, that opened for that women's conference. Oh, perfect. And left right afterwards. Yes. Because they were like, oh, okay, you're not a woman. Uh, you are, what is, 
the organizer of that conference said that she, she, uh, she was um, a cheap imitation of womanhood. Oh, Lord. And that she was, that the very existence of her was Oof, a that mockery. Betty yeah, yeah, that woman, I swear. Oh. But we're, get, we're getting off track. But so they did face some controversy later in the mid and late 70s when it came to trans, in, trans inclusion as well as butch inclusion. You know, and again, part of that early on had to do with um, anyone who was cross-dressing. This included women in masculine clothing. Uh, you could be arrested. And so in order for cops not to raid these meetings, um, it was strictly mandated. You had to dress them. You had to wear the dress and the stockings and the heels. And they checked you on the way in to each meeting. Yeah, there were different cities across and the rules varied depending yeah. on where it was. But it was pretty common that you had to wear at least three articles mm -hmm. of clothing that matches your gender mm -hmm. and sex. Right. Back then, they didn't really have the whole sex and gender are two separate, separate concepts. Right. It was, if your plumbing doesn't match your clothing, you're out. Right. Mm -hmm. So, like, if a guy was wearing women's underwear underneath or a woman was wearing male underwear underneath it would be a big problem. Right. Yeah. Right. So since they had that, those issues in particular, mm -hmm. those I think were really what was the downfall as the 70s progressed. Um, by late 1970s, the Daughters of Belitis had kind of disbanded officially, even though one of the chapters kind of limped on until the early 90s. It was not really associated anymore with the national board. Um, so for all its faults, it did, however, kind of lay the foundation for more lesbian and women-specific gay organizations to kind of rise up and find their voice. Mm -hmm. Some other events that happened before Stonewall mm -hmm. that were kind of catalysts. They were showing a, a increase in the community being fed up with what was going on. They were fed up with the abuse and the extortion and the jail and wanting to finally fight for their rights in a very... Physical. Physical, mm -hmm. in-your-face kind of way. So in August of 1966, in San Francisco, the Tenderloin District, there was a 24-hour cafeteria called Compton's Cafeteria. Okay. On an August evening, that was a restaurant that a lot of people who were queer, they were gay, they were cross-dressers, they were drag queens, hung out at. Well... Good hours. Why could I not? Right? 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 Uh... But it was also very common for them to get the police called on them. Or the targeted they're, because of the they're audience. They're targeted because of their appearance and hanging out. Yeah. Um, so at one point, an officer came in and he was trying to arrest some of the individuals. Well, he ended up manhandling one of the drag queens and she her coffee in his face. Whoopsies. <laughs> and I whoop. Uh, this erupted chaos. People started throwing plates of food. Food fight. Mm -hmm. It was food fight, but they were throwing the plates and the dishes right. and the silverware and everything. Um, Good for ended, you, girl. Good for you. Right? It ended up leading to two nights of protests and resistance at the cafeteria. Well, they are open 24-7. They, so mm -hmm. they were ready. They were. One of the big things that came out of this is that it led to the organization of the National Transsexual Counseling Unit in the late 60s which was the first official transsexual group okay. organization. It was like, like an advocacy group mm -hmm. or like a consult? I mean, it, was a, it wasn't it a counseling group. Was it, it was a... Like so you could get support, like emotional support, like you could call in or is it more of like... Yes. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. 
So I think they did advocacy. From what I understand, they did advocacy stuff, but they also did a lot of counseling right. for individuals who identified some visibility for as them. trans. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you don't feel so alone. Right. That same year, actually a little bit earlier, April 21st, in New York City, the Mattachian Society had a Mattachian Society sip-in. My favorite. (laughs) So after some individuals had gotten arrested through entrapment, this was something that was very, very common and heavily used. Police officers would come in in plain clothes and they would flirt and they would get patrons of bars or restaurants to admit that they were gay. And then they would arrest them on the spot. Yep. Which is super shitty. Right. Um, Well, after this happened again, Dick Lightish and two members from, two other members from the Mattachine Society decided that they were going to take steps to fight back against this. They got in contact with some reporters from four different local news things. um, And they decided to go out for drinks. Going out for drinks. Ordered some drinks let the bartender pour the drinks, mm-hmm. and then we're like, oh, FYI, I'm gay. That's so not a direct quote, but they <laughs> made it known to the bartender that they were gay. Yeah. At which point the bartender put his hand over the cups and we're like, you know we can't serve you. He did it in front of four reporters. Right. So the next morning, it was on the front page of all of these, art, these uh, different newspapers and things mm-hmm. like that. Because, um, again, it's the 60s. There's only, like, three news stations, but right. there's still a lot of newspapers. Um, out of that, while it didn't lead to an immediate protest, it did lead to two different lawsuits. Mm-hmm. The first lawsuit struck down the New York State Liquor Authority's practice of pulling licenses for locations that sold to queer clientele. Right. Which meant that suddenly gay bars could actually start openly being out there kind of at least i legally. could legally serve you a drink yes you could legally serve me a drink um the other one was that uh there was an agree- agreement reached between the new york city mayor john Lindsay, and the offices that were in the suit the individuals mm-hmm. uh that they would end entrapment by police within gay bars mm-hmm. and establishments so that was really big yeah. Since that was one of the top ways that they were getting people. Yeah. So the Mac Daddy of events in Pride history. This is really both the largest and the most well-known of the events that kind of literally led up to Pride. On June 28th, 1969, uh, the Stonewall Inn was filled with patrons. Now, the Stonewall Inn, we were lucky enough to be there a couple of months ago. We were. We were. Uh, and it's a small bar. <laughs> See last bar. week's episode for that adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a small bar. It was one of the few places in New York that you could go and dance with individuals of the same. Uh, it's one of the only places where individuals could come dress as they want to dress and dance with members of the same sex. Woohoo! Yes. Uh, now, the bar was used to getting raided on the regular. Right. But they would normally get a tip-off. Right. So they knew something was coming. They could, you know, scatter real quick and make sure. That How did they manage that? Often what would happen is individuals at the police station who had maybe family members or friends or secret partners 
would call or a little greased palm or a little greased palm whatever gets the it mafia done. was very the mafia owned the bar well, and the, they were extorting there it is people. there it is <laughs> but a lot of times what would happen is somebody go oh, fuck my partner might be there right this is before the land of cell phones so they'd have to call either call the house that the person lived in and go is so and so out tonight mm-hmm. yeah you need to call them and tell them no or call the bar Hey, is so-and-so there? Is so-and-so there? Or if it's just a general tip-off, it would be, hey, raid at this time. My grandmother called a bar looking for me once. (laughs) (laughs) I had a cell phone. She just couldn't figure out how to use it. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, So this night, they didn't get any calls. The reason that they didn't get the tip-off call is because they were receiving so many calls that night that they took the phone off the hook. Why? Because the bartenders are busy. They're trying to serve drinks. It's a busy night. And, like, people just keep calling for random people. So they weren't just to get it to stop calling. And how did that turn out for you? It didn't turn out real great. So at 1.20 in the morning, on the morning of the 28th, the bar was raided. A group of police officers showed up and said, we're raiding you guys. Unfortunately, this was common, but they were really, really brutal during these. They, you know, people would get beat. If they suspected you of being a cross-dresser, they would literally strip you down. And look at your And strip search to Mm -hmm. make sure that your clothing and your plumbing are the same. Um, It was really, really shitty. Dehumanizing. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times, the only people who could get arrested were, they would arrest the uh, bartenders and such. Right. The staff for not having licenses. Because okay. it was technically a bottle club. Mm-hmm. Bring your own. So you, you brought your own bottle. So they couldn't get in trouble with that. But they, you know, oh, you don't have a service for this kind of thing. Um, well, as they were dragging people out and everything, they started rough, roughing up Storm, who was their bouncer at the time. And people just fucking had enough. So there's lots of different accounts. But the most commonly attributed account is that... Marsha P. Johnson threw her shoe. Now, she was a tall woman, probably large feet. Uh, if you've ever had a drag queen's shoe thrown at you, it's gonna hurt. Yes. Like a brick. Yes. So, there are some accounts that say she threw a brick. Most accounts say she threw a shoe. That then triggered a riot. And the cops ended up getting trapped in the bar. Not the place you want to be. Mm-mm. On the first night, it's estimated that more than 500 people at like 2 in the morning showed up. Call your friends. Call your friends' friends. The whole area, Christopher Street, which was kind of like gay little mecca. like And still is. Yeah. It is. It is. Uh, but it was like quietly gay. It was quietly gay mecca then. <laughs> Quieter about it. Uh, on the second night, they had over 1,000 people. What came out of that was, one, it got huge coverage. Right. We had, you know, national coverage of this big event that was going on. And it gave birth to Pride. But Pride wasn't what we think of as Pride nowadays. Pride was actually a march. Mm -hmm. It was a rights march. And so the first Pride was held a year later. Uh, The same weekend, there are three Prides that all happened in two days. On the 27th, the Chicago Gay Liberation March, and then it was also the gay in in San Francisco. (laughs) 
uh, both of those were like the first liberation marches in other uh, cities. And then on the 28th was the Christopher Street Liberation Day. Right. In memoriam of the original riot. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Because a lot of people call the Stonewall Riots the uh, Christopher Street Liberation. Sure. Liberating Christopher Street. Because that's where Stonewall is. From the clutches of the tyrants. Uh, That then kind of morphed as time went on from this very somber, very, you know, angry... We want to be treated like fucking humans, goddammit. Right. Into what we have now, which is a lot of times more of a celebration Mm -hmm. of where we've come. Right. Yeah. We still have so much. A lot of people don't realize the level of work that still needs to be done. Mm -hmm. The number of rights that we still don't have for the queer and trans communities. Like, yeah, there's a no, there's loads of barriers, yes. loads of barriers. But it, it's important to celebrate our wins. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But it's it's as you said, it's very important to remember, especially during Pride Month, that we still got gotta keep work going to deep. do. <laughs> yep. Yes. Which and remember the fact that this started as a riot. Yes. Mm. We were fighting with shoes and bricks and tooth and nail. As a European, I do love a good riot. So <laughs> sign me up. Yep. Um, and then uh, shortly after Stonewall, we actually had, uh, and one of her statements referred to lesbians as a lavender menace. And so then uh, Susan Brownmiller, who was a journalist at the time, wanted to dismiss that as they were no real threat. They're simply lavender herring. Lavender herring. Instead, and, of, red, instead of a red herring. And published that. Um, <laughs> to show that they're, that. Yep, so they're not, they're not a threat. They couldn't do any they harm to us. They were um, And so actually an art student heard that and was like, fuck this. I'm going to make a shirt. And she made um, a... Dangerous, damn it. She made a shirt and it said lavender herring on it. And she... It became a hit. It became a hit. People and, loved the um, herring shirt. It, it turned into what was known as the Lavender Menace. And so they actually came and showed up to the second Congress to Unite Women's meeting. Um, the first one, the lesbians were pulled from the program. And so they're like, you know what? We're going to take a stand. And so they showed up. Um, the leader was uh, disguised as an electrician, saying they were there to do show work. And after the opening, um, like the keynote Keynotes. speech. Uh, because they, they wanted sh- to let they wanted Beth to Elliott let, perform. Yes, they wanted to let her perform before she uh, scooted out because, you know, quote unquote not a real woman woman. um they shut off all the lights yes so in case you didn't catch that the lesbians dressed up like little electricians and these bitches bought it yep and they turned off the lights in the auditorium yep and so once they turned off the lights um the groups for the lesbians got up on stage with their signs and everything the lights came back on and it was basically to protest and show no, lesbian rights are feminist rights. We deserve a place in this movement. Um, and then it was the woman identified woman uh, was kind of like their the manifesto. manifesto that they sold after. And they actually got a lot of support from those in the crowd who were like, you know what? They're saying something. Um, there was a, a surprising amount of support from the people attending this conference. Yes, not it the was board. the leadership that was the problem. Yes. So you said Friedman actually allowed it to be on the agenda the night before, deleted everything yep. from the agenda, literally erased lesbians from the feminist movement with yep. a stroke of a uh, typewriter. <sighs> Goodness. 
How dare you? (laughs) So infuriating, but a fun little... Little tidbit of anger for you. Yes. Um, And then we were talking some about the wins that we have accomplished, the victories that we have gained since the start of this movement, getting it rolling for a force. Um, And sadly, they're a lot more recent than you might think. Yeah. Um, So the first one I want to talk about uh, is kind of the quote-unquote equivalent of no longer being illegal to be gay. And that was in 2003, sodomy was no longer an arrestable offense after the Lawrence versus Texas case. So even though you couldn't necessarily be arrested for being gay, you could be arrested for partaking in sodomy, which is male-on-male sex. Yeah, which is booty sex. But oh, it also applied to the heteros. It did, especially, um, I think... But you weren't getting arrested for that. At the end, there were 13 states that still considered it to be a crime between, uh, or arrestable offense between male and woman as well. That was more had to do with the Bible, I think, isn't it? Probably. I think they both do. But yes. uh, um, so to be clear, 2003. Yep. It is 2020. It is 2003. 2003 federally no longer a crime, arrestable crime, sodomy, which is basically an archaic loophole for catching gay people. Yes. That's that's what that is, guys. That's what that means. It means up until 2003, you technically could have been arrested in the United States for having gay sex. Yep. That's abominable, but that is how it is. But thank goodness we're past 2003 now. Right. Next angry fact. Let's go. One of the other uh, key turning points, and at least for uh, me, it was one of the biggest that I've noted because it was one that I was old enough to comprehend and one that didn't necessarily directly affect me, but affected people I cared about and now would kind of affect me. Um, And that was in 2015, we gained the right for same-sex marriage in the 14th Amendment. There you go. There it is. Um, Federally accepted. Yep. So that was one of the really big key points. And uh, before this, there were states that did allow gay marriage. However, as part of the Defense of Marriage Act from, I think, like 1999, um the state no state had to recognize it if someone came in from out of state so if you were married in one state and you came back to live in a different state or you had to move for work your marriage could just be like oh nope that actually doesn't exist that never happened you don't have those rights and this is something that has that has happened in more than just the queer community right uh if you Look up interracial movie, couples. Mm-hmm, interracial couples were the 1950s. If you yeah. look up Loving, yes, uh, one the movie. <gasps> my heart. Have, if you either of you watched it, oh, I have not seen it. I oh, think am I going I to cry? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, it's a crime. Movie. No, right, more champagne. Um, but it's specifically the movie is about a couple, mm-hmm. the Lovings, who are an interracial couple, who get arrested, mm-hmm. they're beaten, everything, because You know, I think I know their story, but yes. I don't think I've seen the film version of that they story. Were the, they were the couple who actually went to the... Fought their yeah, way up to the okay, so no, I do know of them, I just haven't seen the movie. I would like so to see So this it, is, yes. you know, controlling who we can marry is something that the U.S. has had a lot of fun at controlling specifically minorities oh, yeah. and yes. those who, people who are oppressed. Right. Mm-hmm. Perpetually. Yeah, perpetually. Perpetually. Yay, imperialism. Next one. The next one is also a lot more recent. Um, In 2018, being transgender was no longer considered a mental health disorder ruled by the World Health Organization. World Health Organization, guys. World Health Organization. So that means that the ICD-10 codes and ICD-9 codes could no longer have that as a descriptor as an ailment. 
for them when they're being checked into hospitals, mental health places. My dear anything. transgender siblings, you're not ill. You're you beautiful, are not. and we love you. You are valid. Love every second of you. <laughs> now you're legally valid. Now you're. <laughs> Which is crap. Oh my god, the fact that we had to legally validate validate human beings is just. <gasps> It yep. boggles your mind when you think about it, but like that's the reality. You know what I mean? That's the reality. It was yep. like two years ago, human beings got the stamp to say, "Oh yes, you're a human being. You yep. exist." And then this year, oh. in fact, earlier this month, I actually what? think like was it oh, was it only last week? The fifteenth. It was the fifteenth. The fifteenth of June, twenty twenty. Um, Happy Pride. We have um, a, the Supreme Court officially ruled that being gay, transgender, LGBTQIA+, uh, you cannot be fired specifically for that. So under the Civil, Civil Rights, Rights Act, Act of 1964. Your sexuality and your gender are protected traits. Yes. That's the important part. Yep. And it won in a six to three rule. Shout out to Amy Stevens, yes, who is the tenacious woman who fought her way through that. So, though, as far as those are really like the key turning those points, landmarks. those are big, big wins. Those are like big. So we can get married. Organized. What about so adoption? Adoption is still kind of an iffy subject. So, um, same-sex adoption oh. as oh. as of um, 2016 oh. was legal. However. It's not legal across the board. There's still a it's lot not of federally. It's not federally okay. legal. Okay. So there are still a lot of states who you can apply for adoption, but there's no legal backing if you're denied for being gay. Okay. Um, and then there's also states can deny based on marriage statuses. So it may be completely legal in your state as a same-sex couple to adopt if you're married legally. However, if you are just partnered or if you are a single individual, you can be discriminated against during the adoption process for that. Um, and then there's also the states that allow it to be denied based on religious biases. So if it's a, think Bible Belt, your state's government thinks that, oh, that's against the Bible, so we're going to deny you. It can be upheld for you to not be able to proceed with so that adoption. shellfish, but you're giving these people a baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, so, please. So nice when they can like pick and choose what they yeah. actually want to right. hold up. That's right. so nice. Such a pleasure. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's disheartening. But also, we have some good wins on there. Important landmark wins. So that's yes. good that we have. And the important thing is, is, there are a lot of people who are fighting. Yes. yes. There are a lot of people who are standing up for We have allies. Rights. We have allies. And we have mm-hmm. people in the community that are fighting for it as well. Yep. There's more of us than you think. There's more of us than you'd like to admit. We're everywhere. Just yep. so you know. <laughs> um... I want to wrap back to something that I think is really, really important about the lavender scare. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had the chance last year to sit in on a screening of the movie Lavender Scare, mm-hmm. okay, which was um, based off of and and done by, uh, I believe, Doctor Johnson. Okay. Um, but David Johnson, he is a professor at the University of South Florida, uh, who studies these things mm-hmm. in particular. So it was an amazing discussion, and it was a really, I mean, the movie made me like whimper. I don't want to throw a table or weep or or just hug everybody. I don't know. Seeing because the way it was written was very interesting. It was from the 
writings and experiences of people who lived through it. Right. And one of the things that was so impactful for me was the impact that the lavender scare had on government jobs. Yeah. Okay. So one of the biggest and most widespread problems that happened that were directly related to the lavender scare were the removal of individuals from positions within government. So McCarthy went in there and said, we can't have these people in there. It was a lot of like, the gays are all communists. Right. The gays are dangerous. Mm -hmm. And so... Dangerously sexy. (laughs) Thousands and thousands of people lost their jobs. Yes, in Mm -hmm. mass. In In mass. mass, Mm -hmm. Just wiped out. Regardless of their, you know, service career. No. Even if you were just suspected. Yes. Yep. They would, you know, bring you in and interview you to determine if you were gay or not. They'd interview your families. Was there like a little was there a little device like boop boop boop? Oh that one's gay. Like I want some made up little vacuum that like poops. Maybe that's where the gaydar got invented. (gasps) Maybe. That's it. Brilliant. Yeah. Um so it it impacted so many people. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times what we think about when we think of history is, you know, it's in the past. These things were terrible and they happened. But we don't really think about the way they impact the world today. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that I actually didn't know until I went to this discussion, uh, props for the Office of Multicultural Affairs for putting it all together. Uh, USF is my alma mater, Mm -hmm. so I still Mm -hmm. go back for events sometimes. One of the things I didn't realize was that there was a building on campus named after... One of the individuals who led the well then basically gay witch hunts, the Lavender Scare, in Florida. Oh, oh wow! You have a building named after them. Yep. You should change that building's name. <laughs> so there are, there are uh, to literally anything. <laughs> it is the uh, C Y Bill Young Hall, which oh. is the RRCC building. Oh, well, that makes sense. Uh, it. But this is a brand new building. It's not like this was named, you know, 30 years ago. This was named in the last, like, 10-ish years, I think. Burn it down. Or just rename it. (laughs) You could just rename it. I mean... It's a very nice building. The people who take classes there are very awesome. Um, Rename your building. Rename it. To literally anything. And that's... There are petitions on campus to try to make that happen. But... There's very little traction on it. Well, because you're poor. I mean, well, I mean, you named it buildings after people that pay for things. Mm. Right. Well, they named it because he had such an instrumental role in the University of South Florida's, like, history. Money. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, weeding out the gays. Wow. Quote. Yeah. Mm. So. I feel like it should be like, no, some, we should name it. I'm sure USF has um, better people in the history to pick from. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, wait, wait. Yes. Yeah, we yes. have yes. we have a significant number. Let's let's talk a little bit about let's r- round this up a little bit for our personal experiences with pride. And yes. I'm gonna look at Caitlin here. Oh gosh, because you're the newest. Oh no, newest <laughs> to the world, young young little flower. Um, walk us through an experience you had you've had with pride, whether it's like she's like she's talking about this great film and lecture she went to, mm-hmm. an education experience, a party you went to, emotions so, you felt, knock yourself out. So for me, I am baby queer TM. <laughs> uh, TM <Andrew>. But uh, <laughs> I so I've always been 
I looking back, I've always been part of the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, Ooh, what a mouthful. It is, but it's worth it. Um, <laughs> and so, but it's never something I really identified with. It's not something, my mom wasn't against it, but it was one of those things, I know you are, but just don't let anyone else find out. Hmm. And it was one of those things where it's more from a selfish standpoint rather than I just don't want you getting hurt by anyone's standpoint. You know, uh, as long as you spent in the closet, you should be able to pick your clothes out faster. Damn. She just got called out. Oh, the library's open. Just kidding. Keep going. Um. <laughs> that one's for you, Topo. So I, I spent a lot of my time not really... I didn't really research anything. I didn't know anything. It was honestly not until probably three or four-ish years ago that I even knew what Stonewall was. Right. I didn't have a reason to look into it because this obviously wasn't an identity trait that I could... It take on quote didn't apply to it you. didn't apply to me and so i wasn't a part of it um and i didn't know the struggles of it um and so i after kind of getting older turning 18 kind of coming more turning to terms with, getting older oh my god keep going <laughs> <laughs> um well when we're talking middle school yes 18 is older <laughs> yes, yes um yes. and so i started to look into it a little bit more but still i was Consistently in heteronormative relationships. It wasn't right. until about two or three years ago that I was like, you know what? I am pretty... I found this word. I think this word is me. I think I'm asexual. Mm-hmm. I just... I don't know. I'm not really attracted to people sexually. Mm-hmm. Um, especially not men. I'm not really attracted to men sexually. And so You can just I, say I'm not attracted to men. You don't have to qualify with like, I'm not really... I'm just, okay. I'm just giving you confidence. Okay. You can just, um, She's still kind of coming out of that. As, as we are all her. evolving. Yes. You're just evolving with the language. Yes. Um, you can make different choices. Oh my gosh, choices. so many evolvements, especially over the past year and a half. Right. Um, well, I'm sorry, go ahead. But I got to attend my first Pride last year. Woohoo! So 2019, first Pride ever. First time really owning the fact that I was a part of the LGBTQIA community and it was one of the um, identities that still has a lot of pushback from other people in that community. A lot of people do not see asexual as a valid sexual identity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, big, big middle finger. I'm literally wagging my middle yeah. finger at those people. Um, especially right. for people in, who are cis and in heteronormative relationships, which I was. Right. And so um, it was... Kind of bittersweet. I found um, we so I got to walk in the parade. Oh, fun! Um, That's so, always fun. Do that yes. if you can. Yes, it was so much fun. Um, I got to, drink water. I got to walk uh, with the critters, and so like leather fetish pride type float was really really awesome. Um, a lot of camaraderie, and so in a sea of rainbow, I spotted black, gray, white, and purple. Like okay, I was like, and so my little. My little uh, feelers are going, those are my people. Mm -hmm. And so I did a thing I don't normally do, and I ran up to complete strangers, and I was like, oh, my God, you have my flag. I have my flag, too. Um, And so it was really great to talk to them. We actually all knew each other online through uh, the Asexuals of Florida Facebook group. um, Which we have a Facebook group. Um, And so I got to talk with them some, and it was really, really awesome. And I think the moment that really stood out for me was – 
I got to walk on the parade. We were the we were one of the last floats. And so we waited a really long time. Everyone was tired. At that point, I was kind of like, okay, this is really fun. This is really awesome. But also I'm tired and hungry because I haven't eaten since 10 a.m. And it's now 8.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. But as we were walking um, the path, we had... Sounds like poor planning on your part, but go ahead. Bring snacks to pride people. Pack you need snacks and I water. did not know. And the person, the person I was with did not plan very well. That sounds about right. Um, anyway. And so I got to um, go and... Uh, walk in the parade. So I was walking with all the critters, and I got to carry uh, my ace flag on a pole. And we were maybe we were getting towards the end. A lot of people were already starting to leave because you know it's the end. Right. Everyone's tired. Everyone's been out all day partying. They had concerts and drag shows and all sorts of um, awesome things. And out of the blue, I just, to this day like I couldn't see who screamed, but someone screamed, "Oh my God, she has an ace flag. She's me. I'm here." And I was like, my heart. Like, wow, that literally just happened to me. So good for you, too. Right. And so it was one of those things where getting to see that representation matters and getting for so long, I was so scared to own that quote as someone who, well, I've had sex in the past, so I'm not asexual. Well, I mean, I'm in a relationship where I have sex. I'm not asexual. But the basis of asexual is you just don't feel sexual attraction in people. It doesn't right. change. There are people who have kids who are asexual. Right. Things like that. And so it was getting to see like no representation matters and I actually got to be that for someone else. And after so someone just did it for you. After someone just did it for me literally like 30 minutes earlier. Pass it along. And so it was that was probably like my big like pride moment of no this is a thing I'm supposed to be here. Yes you this are. This is awesome. Yes you are. Pride is a reflection of radical sex. And asexuality is still a version of radical sex. Because most people can't fucking wrap their heads around it. Nope. So you deserve to be there just like everybody else. Good for you. Legend fun. I did the thing. FYI, you did that thing almost exactly a year ago. It was yesterday. It was. I texted a year ago. The social media was like, hey, it was a year ago. I like went and checked our photos. It was yesterday a year ago. It was. Is your, story some, is your story as wholesome like that? Am I going to get a cavity as well? Is it? <laughs> um, so, so my experience with pride, she was joking earlier about how, you know, oh, she's only had one pride. And I'm like, right. girl, I didn't go to my first pride until I was like 30. Right. Uh, I don't actually remember when one. my first pride was. I don't either. Um, it's all a blur. Since then, I've been able to walk in pride parades. If you are walking a pride parade, bring extra hydration mm-hmm. and snacks. It always takes longer than they tell you it's going to. Yeah. So I've gotten to walk, which is an awesome experience to be able to walk along and be that, you know, smiling, awesome, like crazy person right. marching <laughs> along and seeing all of the different types of people, the different age groups mm-hmm. along the whole thing. Yeah. Um, it's pretty fucking awesome. I love seeing old folks at Pride. Like, yes. really old folks. I'm like, please have an umbrella. But yes. 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 Because um, depending on which time the Pride is happening, greatly changes that. Oh, yeah. Daytime, you have more families. Right. Things like that that come out. The night Prides tend to be... Sexy pride. The, like, pride after dark. <laughs> uh, where the, the lots more ridiculous sexiness happens. I just... My experience with pride is... The whole month of June 
has kind of become a time for me to reflect back on history, Mm -hmm. both my own personal history and like our community's history. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also um, kind of a time to reignite the flame of like getting out there and getting shit done. Yeah. And being like a person who is actively involved. Um, That has had to change over the years Mm -hmm. because when I first started going to Prides, I wasn't sick. Right. The health concerns you have. My health concerns have dramatically changed the way that I have to interact Mm -hmm. with events like that. Right. Um, Because I don't do extreme temperature shifts. I don't do, you know, direct sun a lot. There's a lot of different things I have to think about. Um, And so I have to, sometimes I have to find creative ways to be involved. To be part of it. To be a part of it and still feel like I'm making a difference in my community. Right. And still taking care of yourself. Yes. Yeah. Because I'm I'm not allowed to break my server office property. No, you don't. And you can't do a lot of good if you aren't here. Yes. Yes. So what about Madame Hexley? Oh, mine is not nearly as exciting or heartwarming as that. Yeah, I yours just, was so sweet. I was like, I can't follow that. Yeah, yeah I was yes, like, oh, it's so, so sweet. It's so wholesome. And I'm just like, wow, I was just excited to be on the back of a dike for bike. Like, I mean, that like, is exciting, too. <laughs> that was really exciting. Um, that was actually, um, that was here. That was in the States. That was, um, I think that might have been St. Pete Pride a couple years ago. Might have been St. Pete Pride uh, at one point a couple years ago. Did we walk in the same parade? And Probably. Maybe it was a couple. It was several years ago. So it was several years it's ago. Hot as balls. Hmm? It's it always hot it's, it's Florida. It's Florida in June. It's always hot as balls. True, true. Um, but I was uh, I was a young, cute thing in a Stop. rainbow bikini, and um, <laughs> and uh, you know I was towards the back of the parade because I'd been drinking. And I was like, I don't know. I'm just here because it's fun, and I went to them in Europe, and they're always a blast, and who cares? And so I'm with. I wasn't. I was by myself. Because, I mean, there was, like, a group of people that went, but I wasn't really friends with them. Yeah. So I was just like, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> and um, I had stumbled up to this group of uh, very butch lesbian women on their, all their, like, touring-style motorcycles. You know, they yeah, all got, like, all yeah, they're basically bikes. cars, okay? They're decked out. They got, like, the seats and the cup speaker holders system. and speaker system, big flags off the back. I was like, this is ridiculous. I love it. And I had admired one woman's bike. I said, hey, I like your bike. And she was like, do you want to ride in the parade? I was like, fuck, yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) So I never got that tank top back. I just threw it off and then hopped on the back of this motorcycle. And I mean, I say rode away, but, you know, you don't inch along (laughs) in the parade. And so then you're like this cute thing on the back of a, they were um, uh, dykes on bikes. And um, just a couple also just women on motorcycles as well um, that were not affiliated. And you're just, like, having a good time, throwing beads and shit on the back of a motorcycle with a hot butch in front of you. Nice. How could I not have had fun? Part of me really wants to do that. We if you are that. unaware, both Madame Hexa yes. and myself ride motorcycles. Yes. Uh, I really want to do it. And then the other part of me remembers how slow they have to go. Yeah. Oh, the whole time. This is when I'm like, oh, can we just schedule tried in Florida for like December. Right. <laughs> right. I know, I know historical context, but fuck it's hot here. Um, one time, you know, one time maybe we'll endure. Yeah. You know, we'll bring a backup for you, someone who can ride your bike. So if you, for health reasons, you're just like, I can't, someone else can scoot your bike I along. As long as I dress appropriately. Yeah, I'm I not. have enough, like have a water 
Like I will, I will I be am, that person who wears a, a I will back probably to drive my motorcycle in the bikini this time because I am not wearing full leathers on a motorcycle, nope. inching along in Florida with this thousand degree engine between my legs. Absolutely not. I know that Alpha, I think it's first you're going to the night par- or the quote night parade that yes. happens during the day because sun doesn't go until nine. Yeah. Um. Right. He wore high shines. Ooh. The guys wore high shines. Oh. And it literally melted, <gasps> like, the off of up. their shoes. Oh, oh my God. God. It's so hot. And, like, I know people whose, like, soles of their boots and stuff had, like, started melting Jesus. into the asphalt. Oh, my, my, the insides of my boots melted to my sock. All right. So we went through our pride events. Yeah. We went through our pride history. We went through our personal pride history. Yes. And we have learned that we have come a long way, but we still have a really long way to go. Yes. And this was legitimately An just scratching. Barely. The just barely scratching the surface of. Do you a favor. Pick up American a book. Look it up. LGBT history. Like, yeah. it really, really is. Talk to your elders. Do some research. Like, there's, it's fascinating. It's infuriating and it's fascinating and well it's inspiring. It. You know, and if you go out and party. Have fun during Pride. You should. You you should celebrate their victories, but you should also remember that they suffered for these victories, and we will continue to suffer if we don't continue pushing and we don't continue fighting. And if you are one of those elders, regardless of whether you want to have the elder title or not, if you grew up during these times, if you experienced these times, pass your knowledge on. Tell your stories, please. Mm-hmm. We're hungry. We are. You know, a lot of people I think am. that the younger generation, like, oh, they don't care. No, I they care. care. They just don't know it's there to grab at. They don't know where to look. So, so do us all a favor and speak up. You know, whether you're at an event, in an official capacity, or even just one-on-one with people, because that, yeah. that works really well, too, sometimes. But you know. Uh, I know our family is each one teach one. Yeah. That's good. So it's a good strategy. Yeah. All right. So enjoy Pride. Happy Pride. We love you all. Yes. And remember, trouble, trouble comes, comes in three. And get fucked. That one was really loud. <laughs> <laughs>